right, all right, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night service at High Desert Word Center. How are we doing tonight, everybody? All right, praise the Lord. Well, we are going to have an awesome time getting into the Word together tonight and, uh, and worshiping the Lord, all right? You came to the right place at the right time, amen? We're going to have the youth group joining us tonight, so, uh, you know, the... Uh, just have a good time with us, kids, okay? <laughs> I can promise you that it'll be worth it. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America because we're going to keep standing in the gap and believing that America's coming to Jesus. Can I get an amen tonight? Amen. All right. Well, we're going to speak these words of faith together, and you got to say it like you mean it. Amen. Let's go. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I'm going to have Mrs. Pastor do our announcements here for us, but wanted to give you a heads up that right after praise and worship and before the sermon, we're going to be laying hands on anybody that needs healing tonight. Uh, we know there's been a lot of sickness going around the community, and we're going to take authority over that. So if you are here and you need hands laid on you, we're going to do that right after praise and worship. We're going to anoint you with oil, and uh, we'll explain that. And if someone's watching online and they need healing, just receive by faith tonight because we are in agreement that Jesus is the healer and he is going to take care of you tonight. Who believes that? All right. Very good. Well, I'm going to have Mrs. Pastor go ahead and do our announcements for us. All right. Good evening, everybody. Are you all blessed? And you know what? You already said amen. Good for you. Good girl. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you're blessed and you know it, say Amen. Amen. So we're blessed and we know it. Amen. All right. Marriage Refresh is this weekend. The registration is closed. You can no longer sign up to come. But just a reminder that that is starts Friday night at 630 and then uh, Saturday morning, I believe it's 9 o'clock. Um, Robert needs help after this service bringing tables over to set up for the, for the dinner. So uh, if you can stay and help, that would be great. Hallelujah. National Day of Prayer next Thursday night, 5 o'clock. Hi, Desert Word Centers. We're doing our own thing, so be here at 6 for the National Day of Prayer, and it's going to be a really good prayer time. I promise you that. It's going to be awesome. So we want to see a change in our nation, right? We want to see Jesus, Lord. We want to see revival. We want to see a great awakening. We want to see all kinds of cool stuff. So make sure that you come Thursday night, next Thursday night, May 5th. Mother-daughter banquet. Now, I got wind that a couple of people wanted to know, well, how come the theme is singing in the rain? And I said, it's simple. I asked the Holy Ghost, Lord, what's the theme for the mother-daughter banquet luncheon this year? And he said, singing in the rain. And I said, singing in the rain? And he said, singing in the rain. And I said, okay. So we're going with that. He gave me the message for it. The whole thing is going to be really cool. It just so happens, I didn't realize this. Have you ever seen the Singing in the Rain movie? It's a very old movie. This year is the 70th anniversary of the movie Singing in the Rain. 
So I thought, that's, that's, that's a shock. But it's, we're going to have a lot of fun. So we're going around the theme of singing in the rain. And so if you want to uh, wear a rain costume, we're going to have a, a, a prize for the woman that has the best, the best costume for a rain gear and then the, a teen and a child. So it's going to be good stuff. But you need to sign up. There is a cutoff date for this. May 1st, this Sunday is the last day that you can sign up and, and pay for this event. So we're having to do that now. We're having to have cutoff dates because we have to order food and all kinds of stuff, and it puts a chink in the things if, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a bunch of people decide they're going to come when we weren't planning on them. So anyway, make sure you get your things in. Tickets for 11 and up are $12 for children. Six and under are uh, 10 and under is 6 But if they're a little bitty, you know, they're free if they're a little bitty. Okay, so anyway, that's going to be good. And then Mother's Day is Sunday, May the 8th, and there's a gift for every mother and other prizes. So make sure that you don't miss Mother's Day here. Amen. It's a big event. All right. Well, guess what time it is? It's happy time. So open up your Bibles to Luke 6.38. Hallelujah. I'm in the New King James. If you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hands, and one of these ushers will be more than happy to help you out. Let's see, where am I at? Do, 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 Luke 638. Okay. Jesus said, give. He told us to give. Actually, this is an offering scripture, not a tithing scripture. He said, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you again. So it's like a farmer. If he plants an acre of ground, he's going to get an acre of ground, you know, back. If he plants 100 acres, he's going to get uh, harvest off of 100 acres. So it's up to you as you give offerings, not talking about tithings, as you give offerings, what kind of a, what kind of a return you want on your giving. Amen. Let's say our financial faith confession. You can stand up, please. You ready? As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, He. Oh God, you have done great things. We dance. 
stop you never stop working even when I don't feel it you're working even when I don't see it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never in life with the Bible and your character and the things we've seen you always do. And Lord, I want to thank you tonight that in our service and for people watching online, 
that you're going to do miracles in their life, the healing they need, they're going to receive, Lord, because they have faith in you and who you are. Thank you, Lord, for moving tonight in this service and online in the people's houses and on the job, wherever they are to receive healing. We'll be praying in a few minutes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sit down Sit down for a couple minutes. I want you to open up your Bibles to James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. I always like to get faith in the atmosphere before we do anything. I told Mrs. Pastor on the way to the service tonight, when I got born again back in January of 1980, I started going to a church somewhat like ours, and they did things I had no idea what they were doing. I, I kept hearing talk about, by his stripes you're healed. Well, I, I, used to, I was a sinner. I never went to church. And all I could think of was the flag. I thought, man, stripes of that flag, get me healed. Well, I, I'm seriously, I'm not joking because they didn't, they didn't open the Bibles. And so I thought, man, if I get a flag, I'd get healed. And then I went to a church that taught the Word of God, and I saw he was talking about the stripes on Jesus' back. And so that was the stripes he was talking about. I was in a service on a, on a Sunday morning. I was a brand-new Christian. It was, had, had a couple hundred people in there, black and white church, some some black guy stood up, started started speaking real loud, and I thought, man, this guy must be from Africa. Listen, that foreign language, boy, that's cool. And then somebody else up on the on the platform a little bit later, they started they started talking. I thought, man, that was nice. I never connected. That was tongues of interpretation. They never told me. I didn't know. And so I told Mrs. Pastor that I want to pray for people tonight in line with the Word of God, but I'm going to read these verses right here. And you have to understand what they're saying so your faith can connect. So your faith can connect with Jesus and his word for your healing. I don't have a magic wand, but I know how to bring healing to you. But it takes your faith to connect with the word of God. So if you've got a Bible, open it up to James 5. And I want you to see God's part, my part, and your part if you're sick. Verse 14 says, is any sick among you? Well, he's talking about in a church, in the congregation. There's a difference between people that are sick in the world. They don't have a covenant with God yet. They've never stepped in. The world gets sick for one reason. It's just because they don't know anything about healing, about God or anything else. But he said, is there any sick among you? He's talking to people that have a covenant with God. And so when he said that, he's inferring that maybe nobody's sick. So he said, is there? If by chance there's somebody sick among you, now let him call for the elders of the church. And this is so important that a lot of Christians don't realize. You don't drag your husband up to get him prayed for. He's got to have something in it too where he wants it. He wants to come up. You don't drag your teenage daughter up to get her prayed for. She's got to connect somewhere. And so what he's saying right here, if you're the sick person, don't come up just to make your mom happy. Say, okay, I'll go up anyway. I'll tell you what you're going to get. You're going to get nothing because you're doing that because you feel pressure to do it. But if you're a person in the service tonight, I'm going to give you a chance to do what the Bible says. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And then look at this. Let them pray over him or her, anoint him with all in the name of the Lord. And then look at this. And the prayer of faith shall save, King James says, others' translations shall heal the sick. The prayer of faith shall heal the sick. The prayer of faith shall heal the sick. 
The prayer of faith shall heal the sick. The prayer of faith shall heal the sick. Not the elders. Not the oil. The prayer of faith shall heal the sick. And so he says right here a couple things. Number one, if you're sick, then you have your own free will come up and say, I believe tonight what I'm anointed for and the prayer of faith prayed that God's going to heal me. Amen? Prayer of faith shall heal the sick. And so if that's you, I want you to come up here. We're going to anoint you of all. We're going to pray the prayer of faith and we'll get this stuff knocked off of you. And yeah, you can stand up. Stand up. And if you're watching out there, you can raise your hands to the Lord. And when we pray, you can receive healing too. But if you need healing, come up here. And we want, we want to anoint you of all. We're going to pray the prayer of faith for you. And let, let me tell you something, how this works now. And I want to say it again. I wanted to get your faith hooked up in the Word of God. And don't, don't have your eyes on us, on the oil, but have your eyes on the Word of God. The Word of God said, if you're sick and you call the elders of the church, and we anoint you, Father, we pray the prayer of faith, your faith's got to be in the Word. But then at the same time, you have to have a certain amount of faith that I know how to pray the prayer of faith. Hey, Amen. I'm very serious about this because I'll tell you what, I've been doing this a long time. And God's word does not lie. And I want to tell you one more thing, what we're going to do now. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith that us three, our elders of the church, we're going to anoint you a file, and we're not going to be praying over you again. When we touch you, we're going to say something like this, receive your healing, be healed in Jesus' name. Because I'm going to pray up front the prayer of faith for everybody. And then how many ever heard the woman with the issue of blood? She said, if I may touch but his garment, I shall be whole. Well, that's called having a point of contact. Here's your point of contact. When I pray, I'm going to have you say something like this. Lord, I believe when the elders lay hands on us and anoint us, that's my point of contact. I believe your healing power is going to come to my body right then. And I'm going to receive it right then as a point of contact. See, that way you're connected with your faith too. You've got a point of contact. When our hands touch you, that's your point of contact. As soon as we do that, you need to say, whisper, however you want to say, say, Jesus, there it is. I receive. And like the song you just sang, even if you don't feel it, if you don't see it, the greatest level of faith there is, is faith in God's word. He said, when you pray the prayer of faith, I heal. And so that's the highest level of faith there is. Don't God said it. So that's the way it is. And then, and then something I taught for years in healing school, you got to keep the switch of faith turned on. You turn, you turn your switch of faith on when you said, I believe I receive. Then at the same time, if symptoms don't disappear or something still doesn't seem, seem the same, every time you think about, well, still there, say, don't say that. Say, Lord, I want to thank you. The elders of the church, they anointed me and they prayed the prayer of faith. And when they prayed, you said, you healed. So I believe I received. Just, you to just say that and I'll tell you what, you're going to be surprised about no matter how buggy that thing was, how great the healing is. Amen. Amen. And the people watching, people watching, just you grab a hold, you grab a hold of this too. And as I pray, then you, you say, you say to the Lord, Lord, there it is. I believe I receive and you receive the same thing because it's not the oil, but it's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. Amen. Amen. So everybody raise their hands to heaven and raise your hands up to Jesus. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your holy written word. 
Lord, I want to thank you that our faith is in you. Our faith is in your word. And Lord, you're the one that said, if sick people in church will come up and call upon the elders, the Lord, that's what all these are doing. And the ones online out there, Lord, they're calling upon you too to hook up this prayer of faith. I'm going to pray. Lord, you said the prayer of faith will heal the sick. You didn't say the prayer of maybe, the prayer of doubt, or the prayer of hope. You said the prayer of faith. As the Lord, from your word, as a man of God all these years, I know that having faith in you is having faith in your word. So I believe right now in the name of Jesus, as I pray, number one, any demonic activity trying to put something on people, I just break the power of the devil over their health in the name of Jesus, over their families in the name of Jesus. And then number two, Jesus, you said when we pray your word, we're praying the answer. So right now, based upon the word of God, I release the healing anointing of God to flow as we pray, as we anoint, as we lay hands on them in Jesus' name. And Lord, all through the Gospels, every time you spoke the word of God, people received healing. Every time they touched you, you touched them, they received healing. So I say right now, as we lay hands on them, in the name of Jesus, they're going to receive the healing power of God. And no matter how serious or if it's just something irritated and buggy, no matter what it is, Lord, that they're going to be healed when we pray because you said that's what had happened. So, Father, we're going to anoint them with all now, and we thank you. They've done their part. They came up. We're doing our part. We're going to, we're going to anoint and pray, and, Lord, you're going to do your part. They're going to receive. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many believe you received? Amen. Amen. And how how do you know it? I'll I'll give you the answer. Amen. Not not because you felt it, but because God said it. God said, when that prayer of faith is prayed, you're healed. And so, man, no matter matter how you feel or don't feel, you just keep on thanking Jesus. The prayer of faith was prayed. My faith is in your word, Jesus. You said it, and you did it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 All right, let's give Jesus some praise together tonight. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Well, you can be seated tonight. Hallelujah. That's fine. 
All right, you can be seated. Yeah, we've got a little bit of a different type of service, obviously, than a lot of Wednesday nights. We've got uh, the youth group in here with us. And like we said, uh, we've, um, praise, let's hear it for our youth group. They're, they're welcome amongst us. <laughs> but, uh, man, praise the Lord. There's a lot of people receiving healing. And, and there's one thing at High Desert Word Center. We don't mess around with sickness and disease because we know that Jesus is our healer. And we are not going to put up with that mess anymore. So uh, that's why we wanted to take authority over it tonight right off the get-go. Amen. All right. So uh, let's see here. Uh, we've been in a series on Wednesday nights that I'm going to, I believe I'm going to complete it tonight. So uh, who thinks that I can finish this out tonight? Thank you for your vote of confidence. All right. So what we're doing is this. We've been looking at the book of 1 Corinthians uh, from start to finish. We started in chapter 1 about six or seven weeks ago. And tonight we're going to be in chapter 15. And really my normal style of preaching is what you would call a topical or I do sometimes some textual. But what we've done is an entire what you would call expository uh, teaching on the entire book of 1 Corinthians. We've looked at probably uh, about nine. 90 or 95 percent of the verses we've actually read in here and uh and so we've covered a lot of ground and if you haven't been with us on some of it the book of first corinthians is very interesting uh it's uh, uh paul wrote this letter to the church in the city of corinth and uh it's uh, it's, it's so applicable because it's very comparable to a modern day america a lot of the things that he addresses there are things that we see and deal with in 2022 in the United States. And there's also been some just some wild and bizarre topics in this book. It has been a wild ride. Who's been here with us for most of this wild ride of First Corinthians? We've seen everything uh, that Paul had to cover. And so it's been very uh, educational and informative, but also very life-changing to those who will receive it. Now, tonight we're going to be picking up in chapter 15, and this is one of the longest chapters of the whole New Testament. And so for that reason, we're not going to read every single verse. I think there's 58 verses. And so we're going to cover the main uh, points of it and uh, and look at a whole lot of the verses. But Paul, uh, if you've been following along in chapter 14, he just dealt with how the church service should be run because the Corinthians were wild. Uh, they, I mean, everybody wanted to get up and give a message in tongues. Everybody wanted to get up and prophesy. Everybody wanted to get up. And it was just very unorganized and chaotic. And Paul said, hey, all that stuff's good, but it's got to be done decently and in order. And we just covered all of that. And we've seen chapter 11. They were fighting over communion. Some people would come to church and, and they'd just bring their own wine and get drunk at communion time. It was, these guys were nuts. They fought. They couldn't get along. And so Paul wrote them uh, three letters. We have two of them in our Bible. And we don't know the, the other one we don't have. But uh, First and Second Corinthians are these two letters. And so Paul was like, you guys, you've got a good heart. You're just a little misguided. And we've got to straighten you out. And so it's been extremely informative, I think. And I've even learned a lot as I've studied it. But tonight in chapter 15, to kind of close out the whole thing on 1 Corinthians, he covers three main topics in this chapter. He talks about the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead, because you realize that someday there will be a resurrection of the dead. Do you know that? 
that the people that have already died and were Christians, their bodies are going to be resurrected someday from the grave that they're in. And I'm going to show you that here in a minute. Uh, He talks about also our new glorified bodies, because when you are resurrected, you get a brand new body. And you're like, wow, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And then the final thing he discusses in this chapter is the rapture of the church. And we've studied that a lot uh, in our Sunday morning services over the last few months because you better believe it, brother. I very strongly believe that there will be a rapture, a snatching away, a taking away of the church. And some people are like, well, I don't believe in that. That's fine, man. You can stick around down here and have all the fun you want. I'll be watching from heaven. I am out of here on the first load. Get me out. I want to go to heaven. Amen. And so you want to debate that all day long. That is totally fine. But I'm going. Amen. And so let's turn our Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That was not very believable, my friends. I'm going to need a little more excitement. Come on. 1 Corinthians 15. (laughs) All right. All right. We're getting there. We'll get there. We'll catch you up. Uh, But... You know, we're, we're not a real quiet church. We've got to have a little bit of noise going on. Uh, but 1 Corinthians, we're going to pick up here at chapter 15. We have made it through a lot of ground over these last few weeks. And I am going to start here, for the sake of time, at verse 3. And again, if you haven't been in one of these teachings, it's a little bit different than how we normally do our uh, our teaching and our messages. We're going verse by verse for the most part. So here we go, chapter 15 and verse 3, Paul says this, and we're in the New Living Translation. He says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ Jesus died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. And so we just did Easter like two weeks ago, right? I mean, this is very fresh in our memories that Jesus Christ died, but he didn't stay dead. He was buried and he rose again on the third day, just like the scripture said would happen. Verse 5, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Now, are those people still alive in 2022? No, they were alive at the time that Paul wrote this letter, okay? So if you're trying to go around Barstow looking like, you look really old, you may have been one of the 500. No, they're not here. I have seen some people that look like they could have been there, but they weren't, okay? So let's keep going here. And it says, uh, then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So Paul saw Jesus with his very own eyes also, even though Paul wasn't there uh, during the resurrection. And so uh, verse 9 is interesting to me. He says, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Now, let's break these verses down real quick that we just read. Paul was a brilliant man educated, scholarly, he could debate, he could argue, he was passionate. And what he just did was laid out some proof of the resurrection of Jesus. First of all, he points out it happened as the scripture said would happen. And anybody that believes the Bible knows like, okay, well, if the Bible said it, that's good enough for me. But then he points out that Peter 
was an eyewitness because all these guys in Corinth, they loved Peter. And, and so, uh, and so he's like, Peter saw him, first of all, and then the other disciples, and then 500 other people at one time. And so he just laid a very good case that at least that we know of, 512, 513 people have an eyewitness account of seeing Jesus Christ after he died. Now, what do you call that if we have a court case and I and we go to court and the judge is like, well, do you have any witnesses to what you're trying to prove? I'm like, yes, I've got 512 people right here. You can ask every single one of them and they all agree and they all say the same thing. If I can get 512 people to agree on anything, I'm doing really good. I mean, we can't even agree on, you know, on which restaurant to eat at, but he gets 512 people. And what would a judge call that in the legal system? That would be called irrefutable evidence. If you can get, I think, three or four people to agree on the same thing, the judge says, oh, well, that's that's all I needed to hear. But 512 people. So Paul proves in a very real way here that, yes, Jesus died and he rose again but i also think that his tone's really interesting here in the end he's like i i saw him myself too by the way because when paul uh was on the road to damascus right jesus christ appeared to him and you need to know that there are some people that jesus christ even to this very day has appeared to and they've seen him with their own eyes now i'm not one of those people but hey some people have and i i mean that would be super cool but i know someday i'm going to see him when i get to heaven but paul in this verse nine he has a sense and a tone of remorse because he's like i don't even deserve to really be called an apostle i'm a, i'm the least of all of them because i persecuted god's church i tried to kill these people that i uh, he tried to kill that there will be no resurrection of the dead. And this was a very controversial topic at the time, that there would be a resurrection of the dead. There's some people that flat out refuse to believe this. But look at verse 13. For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave, but that cannot be true if there's no resurrection resurrection from the dead and if there's no resurrection of the dead then christ has not been raised and if christ has not been raised then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of all your sins in that case all who have died believing in christ are lost and if our hope in christ is only for this life we are to be more pitied than anyone in all the world like whoa that's a mouthful right there. But what's Paul saying? There's some people that were saying there's no resurrection of the dead. That's that's foolish. That's crazy talk. That could never happen. But Paul points out if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus is still dead. And you need to know as a Christian, the single most important doctrine of Christianity. There's a lot of them, but the most important key to it all is that Jesus rose from the dead. 
if he, if that's not true, nothing else matters. I can, you know, teach faith all day long. I can teach loving your neighbor all day long. I can teach laying hands on the sick all day long. I believe in all those things. I can talk about praying in tongues all day long. But if Jesus is dead and he never rose again, none of it matters at all. It's useless. It's pointless. And we're the most hopeless people there are in the entire world. Thank you. (laughs) But Paul passionately points out right here that if there's no resurrection and if Jesus didn't rise, then we're not really saved and we're not going to heaven. And that's a hopeless spot. But look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Boom. There it is. Jesus did raise from the dead. Who believes that tonight, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? I mean, out of all the good news that we're talking about, that's the best news of all. Because if we are talking about a dead Jesus, we're talking about a hopeless you. You've got no hope outside of a risen and resurrected Jesus. Now, um, well, well, let's look here at verse 21. So check this out. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. So Adam introduced death to all of us. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate you, brother. You really helped us out there a lot. So Adam introduced death because that was never God's plan for us. But Jesus introduced resurrection life. So Paul later on says in, in this chapter that, The first Adam was the guy in Genesis, but Jesus is known as the second Adam. The first Adam sold us out to the devil and was a, you know, did not do us any favors. But the second man, the second Adam, Jesus, he came back and bought us back and redeemed us. And now we've got hope. And now we can go to heaven someday. So verse 22, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there's an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. And so Adam once again introduced death. Jesus introduced resurrection life. And all of us are related to Adam. You get that right. No matter who you are, we can all trace our roots somehow, some way back to Adam and back to Noah. But uh, as a Christian, we can all trace our roots to Jesus, the firstborn among many brethren, Romans chapter 8 calls him. And so God's my father and Jesus is my big brother. Yeah, who's excited about that? That Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and that's my family tree and everything else is fine and dandy. But what I really relate to is I am a child of God. Amen. That's really good news. Now, Paul uses the next several verses and he continues to establish that there is indeed a a resurrection of the dead. But now what I want to talk about and what he talks about here, starting at verse 35, is our resurrected, glorified bodies. Because when there is a resurrection of the dead, we have what he calls a spiritual or a glorified body. And as he'll point out, why why would we need a new body? Well, this body we have here 
it ages, right? It doesn't stay the same. It, and, you know, it gets weaker as you get older, and, and, and it eventually has an expiration date. Everybody has an appointed time to die, and nobody wants to hear that, but it's, just, it's simply true. And so your body that you have right now, it's not made to last for all of eternity, but your new glorified body, it is made to last for all eternity. It has no expiration date. So look here at verse 35. Someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever it is you're planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. Now, there's a lot of cool, good things about, you know, our current human bodies. God, I mean, one of, just the absolute most incredible of creation is the human being, how God designed us so perfectly all of you know your lungs and your heart and your brain and 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 i mean just every single delicate detail is an incredible expression of god's creation because you were created you did not you know evolve from dirt thank you i mean or, or from a, an ape or whatever it is you know they're you know they're telling you these days but you were created by god almighty and you have a purpose in this earth that's good news man if i'm just some tadpole that landed in barstow come on that's not too good of news for me but i was created by god almighty and he had a plan for me before the before the creation of the earth, he had a plan for me, and it's really, really big, and he's got one for you too. And so there's different types of bodies, as Paul says. Animals have one kind, humans have another, and then there are these earthly bodies, and then there are spiritual heavenly bodies. Look at verse 43. He says, our bodies are buried in brokenness, all right? So when you're buried, chances are, you know, you were really old, and so you had become weak or, you know, as he would say, broken. But they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as what? Spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are what? There are spiritual bodies. And so right now, if you were to die, what's going to happen? Your spirit would go to heaven and we would bury your body or, you know, cremate your body. Okay. You know, and I get, I get asked a lot of, I, I just was thinking today, the most common questions I get asked, <clears throat> do animals go to heaven? And then I also get asked, what about people that have been cremated? And then there's other, uh, other, you know, questions I get asked a lot, but uh, listen, 
I believe if you were cremated, some people are like, man, you know, we cremated my loved one and I didn't, I didn't know about any of this. Listen, man, listen, if God can think about somebody that died 200 years ago, their body is ashes and dust right now. Anyway, if God can put them back together, he can put back together somebody that's been cremated. I've got no issue with it. I'm fine with that. Okay. I mean, I don't think that 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 we finally found some way to stump god like oh man i wanted to resurrect that one but i can't because i don't know how to put that back together they they finally got one over on me oh you no 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 no. you didn't get one over on god he he's got this he he can figure this one out okay so you just do what you know want to do with your loved ones when they pass on but uh but god can make that happen and so absolutely there is a resurrection and there is glorified bodies that we get and so they are buried as natural human bodies. They'll be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Now, when you're resurrected, what does he say? You're going to be resurrected in strength. And so, yeah, if you die right now, your spirit's going to go to heaven if you're born again, and your body would go to the grave. But when Jesus comes back, there will be a resurrection where that body comes up out of the grave, and it is reunited with the spirit, and they're put together, and boom, you instantly have a glorified spiritual body. Now, we've got to talk about these spiritual bodies for just a minute. Who would like to know a little something about what this is going to be like? I mean, it, it interests me, and I know this much. Our greatest source of information about the glorified body comes from Jesus after his resurrection. Because when he resurrected, he uh, was in a glorified body. And we know if you study the very last chapters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I mean, I don't have time to go to all those tonight, but you'll see in some instances where Jesus, you know, he was not bound by uh, by the physical atmosphere Uh, you see in one instance where the disciples are in a room and then all of a sudden jesus just appears they're like whoa where'd he come from well it's evident that with this glorified body he could walk through walls walk through doors do things like that and so uh you better bet that i'm coming after some of y'all in heaven i'm gonna just show up when you least expect it but anyway uh he still ate food we know that much he still ate food so that's really good news because some people are like man i don't know if i'm gonna you know i'm gonna miss food i like me some del taco and i heard they don't have one in heaven well listen Hey, listen, I know in Barstow, we are loud and proud about only eating at the Barstow Del Tacos. Can I get an amen, Barstow? Woo! Now, don't throw rocks at me. Don't throw rocks. But I dare to say if there's a Del Taco in heaven, it could even beat the Barstow ones. All right, come on. Now we're getting somewhere. Now I got your attention. All right? Now, another thing we know about these resurrected bodies is they don't get sick. And they don't feel pain, and, 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 and there's no hurt or anguish anymore. And if you were to read Revelation 21, it explains heaven, and it explains uh, what you're going to be like in heaven. But it says there's no more sorrow, crying, or pain ever again. And so these new bodies simply, it's not that they won't get sick. You cannot get sick. Sickness isn't even a possibility. Pain is not even a possibility. And I was reading one of my uh, favorite Bible commentaries, and they put it this way. Just as our earthly bodies are perfectly suited for life on this earth, 
our resurrected bodies will be suited for life in heaven. We will have form and solidity to the touch. So, I mean, you can still touch somebody because the disciples touched Jesus. Thomas had to feel and see to believe. Uh, We will likely be able to enjoy food, but we will not be driven to it by necessity or fleshly desire. So it's not like you got to eat to stay alive. And like Moses and Elijah, we'll be able to bathe in the glory of our maker and the fellowship of his son. The bodies we inherit will be more like what God originally intended rather than what we now abide in. You know that Adam lived till he was 960 years old? That's a very long time. I don't want to live that long on this earth. I want to get to heaven a lot sooner than that. I'm like probably 90, possibly 100 years is good enough for me. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to stick around forever. That's just me. You know, whatever you want is fine. But Adam, what happened? He was created, and and God's intent was not for Adam to, well, die in 70 years. His intent was for Adam to just stay down here, be in charge of the earth, subdue it, have dominion and authority over the animals and all this stuff. That was his intent. But when Adam sinned and bought into the devil's lie, he introduced sin and death into the world and his body was never created for that it took the man 960 years to finally die and if you read the next several uh generations of people in genesis these people were living to eight nine hundred years old it started to dwindle down to the 500s and 400s and then throughout the rest of the, New, uh, the old testament you see a lot of people living to around 120 years old and 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 that's incredible even still but why did it take so because We were not intended for death. We were intended for life. Adam brought death to us, but Jesus brought life. And so, yes, you will live forever. It just doesn't have to be down here. You're going to live in heaven someday with a glorified spiritual body when you get to heaven. That's really good news. Can I get an amen tonight? And so I'm not going to turn there, but Psalm 103, verse 5 in the Message Bible. Now, I wouldn't usually use the Message Bible for doctrinal and theological study, but uh, it's a paraphrase, but I do like it says this. It says, he renews your youth, you're always young in his presence. And I believe that in heaven, in these bodies, that will all, you know, probably be like a young adult is what i would say in his presence and i think that that's a really cool thing because you should have seen me at 20 i was a fox i'm kidding (laughs) no they've got pictures to prove it i looked like shaggy from scooby-doo i had a mop top and i mean i literally looked just like shaggy it was cool but anyway uh another cool thing again you can write this down i'm just you know i want to cover so much but i don't have time uh, revelation 217 says that he will give us a new name Did you know that? That you will be given a new name. I'll just read it to you here, but uh, Revelation 2.17 says, To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that's been hidden away in heaven. Hello, you're going to get to eat some manna in heaven if you are victorious down here and, and, and persevere. And I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. And so you're going to get a new body, and he's going to give you a stone if you were victorious with a new name that you and Jesus will understand the meaning of that name. And um, and so a lot of people are like, well, what's that all about? Well, the meaning of the white stone probably has to do with the ancient Roman custom of awarding white stones to the victors of athletic competition if they were victorious the romans would they would give you a stone that had your name on it and it was your invitation to a big 
feast and banquet and award ceremony that you were invited to. And guess what? When we go to heaven, there's going to be a big banquet and feast called the marriage supper of the lamb. And there will be awards given to the Christians who did good things in this life for Jesus and did what he said. Now, some people, they'll get to go to the party, but they won't get any awards because they didn't really do much for God down here. And that's between you and God. But I want to get as many as I can. Why? So I can have a big trophy case? No, I don't keep the awards, you silly goose. I lay them at the feet of Jesus and say, uh, we bow down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Amen? And so these next few verses, again, we're just trying to hit a lot of stuff here. These next few verses are some of what we covered on Sunday morning a few weeks ago. But I want you to go down to verse 50. Verse 50. Are you still with me? And so here's where he starts to talk about the rapture. And, uh, and again, this, this rapture thing, I mean, I've heard stupid, stupid people say things like, man, that ain't even in the Bible. That's just something that Western Christians made up in the last hundred years, to, you know, to try to, you know, because they're so spoiled and they, and man, no, the rapture is a real thing. We didn't make it up. God made it up. <laughs> God invented it. It's his idea, and it's all throughout the New Testament. But here we go. First uh, Corinthians 15 and verse 50. What am I saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. Now, verse 51. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. You get that, right? That there are going to be a generation of people, uh, Christians, that will never experience physical death. Now, that's that's something incredible to think about, but not everybody is going to experience physical death because there's going to be a lot of born-again Christians on the earth when the rapture takes place. We won't die. We'll just get sucked out of here and go straight to heaven and According to what I see all over the world right now, I believe we've discussed this a lot over the last few months, so I'm not going into it. But I have very good reason to believe that this is that generation that will go to heaven and be raptured and probably not face this physical death. Anyway, only God knows that, but I, I really there's a really good chance I believe that we are that generation. So he says, listen, listen to me, that uh, that not everybody, we will not all die, but... We will all be transformed. We are all going to get these glorified bodies. Even if you were one that got raptured and didn't die, you are still going to be transformed. When's that going to happen? It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. You get in on the action here. Verse 53, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. I got to say it in the King James because I, I like most verses in the NLT. I don't like how they translate this one. Okay, so, oh, death, where, oh, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And so when we get to heaven, death has lost its sting. The grave has no victory over you. That's exciting. 
For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power, but thank God. God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Why would you got to be strong and immovable? Because there were people trying to convince them that all of these beliefs were baloney. And you've got people today that are trying to convince you that all these beliefs, that's a bunch of baloney. Oh, that's silly. Nobody should believe that. Paul says, I just told you all this stuff. Be strong and be immovable. Don't back down from what you believe in. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I know sometimes we're doing stuff for the Lord and like, man, I don't think anyone even appreciates this. I'm doing, I put all this work in and only three people showed up to my small group. But I did all this stuff and this happened. And listen, if you did it for the Lord, It was not useless. Nothing you ever do for the Lord is useless. Amen. Amen. I mean, if 500 people could show up, praise God. Five people could show up. I did it for the Lord anyway. So it was a victorious and successful day. All right. And so uh, let's get here to chapter 16 and we'll close out the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, I mean, this has been a pretty cool and wild ride that we've taken through all this. Uh, But Paul established a lot of major doctrines in this book. And we just talked about the biggest one, that there is a resurrection of the dead. You do get a new body. I'm kind of hoping mine looks like the rocks. You know what I mean? I'm like, I photoshopped my face on his body a couple of years ago and told my kids that's what I used to look like. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Anyway, there's a whole, yeah, I'll just, I'm going to stay away from that. But I'm not proud of it, but at the time... I, you know, I wanted, I wanted, you know, it was my beach bod for the summer. Anyway, so chapter 16, uh, this is where it all closes out. And uh, it being, with this being the end of his letter, it doesn't contain as much of the deep theology he does, you know. Hey, say hello to this guy, say hello to that guy. But there's a few verses I want you to look at here as we close it out. Look at verse 1, chapter 16, verse 1. He says, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem... You should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. What is he talking about? I'm going to explain it. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you've earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. When I come, I will write letters of recommendation for the messengers you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems appropriate for me to go along, they can travel with me. What is that all about? Well, uh, Paul is collecting and offering him and some of the other Christian leaders for the Christians in Jerusalem. And in fact, if you were to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, uh, we read those chapters a lot because it says God loves a cheerful giver. And, and it's, got, it's all about offerings. But they were collecting from all the other Christian churches an offering for the church in Jerusalem because they did something really dumb. And, uh, and he doesn't go into that all here, but in Acts chapter 4, if you were to look there, the church had just been born. It was on fire, and it was growing like wildfire. It was an incredible time. But all the people, they just got so caught up in it all. They're like, you know what? 
what we're going to do is we'll just everybody sell all your possessions and, and we'll just put all our money together in one pool and we'll redistribute our wealth to everybody. And so the guy that was a millionaire and the guy that was poor, everybody just put it. And really, if you wanted to be honest, really what happened at the end of Acts chapter 4 is comparable to what we would call socialism. You're like, what? But they had a really good heart. Hear me, socialism is bad. And I know that's not a very, it has never worked all the way back to here. They had the right heart. They had a good heart that if we just all put all, put all of our stuff together, we could redistribute it and, and everybody, the poor would be taken care of. But they did this and it did not work out at all. It failed. And now all these Christians in Jerusalem were in really bad financial situation. And so we see in 1 Corinthians right here and in 2 Corinthians, Paul and other Christian leaders, they're having to go from church to church. He just talked about the church in Galatia. They go to Ephesus, the church in Rome. They got to go to all these churches. Guys, we got to help our brothers in Jerusalem out. We got to pull them out of this mess. They did the right thing by helping them out, but it also proved a point. And and it, see, it always sounds good on paper. Man, what if we just all quit our jobs and sold our stuff, man, and just kind of all pulled it all together, bro? You know what I'm saying? Uh, listen, it just simply doesn't work that way, right? <laughs> and it didn't work for them then, and it's never worked since then. But thank God, Paul and the guys, they collected this offering, and they helped them get back on their feet. Look at verses 10 through 11. Verses 10 through 11. Have we learned anything tonight? Anything at all? All right. I, I, I hope that you have. But I'm going to look at one final little thing here. Verses 10 and 11. So Paul's going to send Timothy uh, to go talk to these guys. Now, Timothy was a very young pastor. And so when he started working with Paul, he was probably in his late teenage years, early 20s, something like that. And he was awesome. And in fact, Timothy was so incredible that, in fact, the very last, the very last letter that Paul ever wrote right before his death is called Second Timothy. And he wrote it to Timothy and he's giving him all this advice. Paul's like, the time of my death is near. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And now there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And so Paul's like, I, I know, listen, I'm not getting out of this one. I've, I've dodged execution a lot of times. I know this is going to be the time. And so he writes Timothy this letter. And Timothy is put in charge, actually, of the biggest and most successful church that Paul ever started, the church of Ephesus. Timothy became the pastor, but Timothy had this problem. He was so young that people didn't take him seriously. Like, here's a kid. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, Timothy, don't let anyone despise you because of your youth. You are a man of God, and you are going to do great things. Don't let anybody despise you just because you're so young. And so here's what Paul has to tell the Corinthians, because let's just get real. They're really mean. And so he tells them, First Corinthians, look at verses 10 and 11. When Timothy comes, don't intimidate him. He's doing the Lord's work just as I am. Don't let anyone treat him with contempt. Send him on his way with your blessing when he returns to me. I expect him to come with the other believers. And so he's like, please, when Timothy comes, don't be mean to him. Please be nice to Timothy. Don't intimidate him. Don't treat him with contempt. Treat him right. And, and so Paul does that. The last two verses that I'm going to look at are verses 13 and 14 because I love these two verses. Paul says, as he's closing it all out, he says, be on guard. I got to tell you that in 2022. You better be on guard. You got to stand firm 
in your faith. Because there are enemies to the faith. There's the devil. Then there's a lot of people that just like the people in Corinth, they're going to try to, man, you're crazy. You believe that stuff that is outdated, that is old fashioned. We don't have to live like that anymore. That is just, I mean, that's a burden. That whole Christian, the whole Bible thing, people will persecute you and come at you hard for your faith. And you're told, listen, you better be on guard. You better stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And one of the translations says, act like a man. And like some people don't want to hear that, but I, I'm, I'm, do, I'm down with that. He's like, come on, man. Act like a man. Be real. Don't be a pushover. And then he says, do everything, verse 14, do everything with love. And so you got to be strong in these days that we live in, but you also got to do it with love. And so that's a hard balance sometimes to accomplish the corinthians really struggled with it but for us that's a word for us right now out of everything we've looked at over the last several weeks you got to know man that as crazy as our culture can be we still have the power to be the light of the world through it all we still because of jesus can stand firm in our faith when people tell you it's foolish when people tell you it's old-fashioned that it don't make no sense anymore you can stand strong and be courageous because jesus is coming soon it'll happen in a moment in the blink of an eye and there's going to be a trumpet and we're going to be out of here really really quick so stand firm and don't give in can i get an amen tonight amen all right let's stand up together praise god well that's i've never done that before i've never gone through an entire book of the bible uh in a series but i love that and uh man maybe we'll do some more books but that was a wild one to cover right there hallelujah well, praise God. Uh, we're going to go ahead and we'll probably start closing things out here tonight. We laid hands on the sick earlier. We'll hang out here for a few minutes after I close out in prayer here. And if you uh, are in need of prayer for anything tonight, we'd love to lay hands on you if you need that and stand in agreement with you. And uh, you just got to know, man, that we believe in you. We have an awesome, wonderful church family. I was just talking to my kids about that the other day. Man, I know that the Samples family is super blessed to have all these people here. And I, you know, I pray that you would be able to say the same thing about us. I know that we, you know, sometimes we annoy you a little bit, but it's, we have good hearts, okay? We love you so much, amen. <laughs> so anyway, praise God. Well, we're going to go ahead and close things out here tonight. And again, if you are here and you needed prayer for something other than healing, uh, you know, we'll hang out at the altar and pray for you as we close out. But I've already used up all my time tonight. So uh, let's go ahead and raise our hands together. Can we do that? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for everything that we've seen in your word tonight. And Lord, we know it's true that there is a resurrection of the dead and you were the first one to happen to, but praise God that it's gonna happen to us someday, Lord. And, and if, if we are resurrected from the dead, it just means that we were raptured out of here and we're gonna get these glorified bodies that you talked about and promised to us, Lord. And we know that it's coming soon and we're gonna be with you. And Lord, I pray for every person in here tonight in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would give us 
the strength to live for you, just like Paul talked about, that we would stand firm in the faith and be courageous, and we would never move from what we believe in the word of God. We thank you, Jesus, that, man, the best is yet to come. We know that the world's getting darker and darker, but you said, arise and shine for thy light is come. The glory of the Lord shall be seen upon you, and we thank you, Lord, that in these final days, we will see the glory of the Lord and see an outpouring of your spirit. We thank you, Jesus. Use us this week to show your love to the entire high desert and everywhere else that we are, Father. We love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, can someone say amen tonight? Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and close out by speaking some words of faith over Barstow. And we got to say it like we mean it. I was blessed. Our uh, Pastor Sarah, principal from Victor Valley Christian, was with us Sunday. She heard this and she's like... That is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Uh, she's from Barstow, and she's like, I've only heard people, you know, talking hate and trash and putting down on that town. But she's like, why did I never, why did nobody ever do this? Why did somebody never come up with a faith confession over the city? And I was like, High Desert Word Center's been doing it for almost three beautiful years. And we believe it, and we stand by these words. We're going to see great things happen right here. And if you're like, yeah, I believe it when I say it, man. Back out of the way, Jack. Hey, we ain't got time for that. We believe that Barstow's coming to Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? Amen. All right. Let's do this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. We will see.